Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast, our TV version with Doug Skeen, Michigan's former all big 10 offensive lineman, five-time big 10 champion. And, you know, one of the staff pick winners this week was supposed to be able to wear one of your rings. And I don't think you won. So you're going to have to win. Didn't I win? Didn't I win? You might have actually. <laughs> so maybe I was confident that you were going to win. So I promise I didn't tell you. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you that you have to get that <laughs> ring out of the safe deposit box. But anyway, uh, another huge Michigan win 59 to nothing. Uh, it was boring. I'll be honest with you. And you could tell right away that 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 uh, game was going to be over in the first quarter skiing. And uh, first things first, man, what do you learn from a game like this, from a schedule like this? You guys had some always you always played Notre Dame. Didn't you play him five years in a row? Yeah, we always so. played Notre Dame. Yeah. Right. So that was, and not only well, it, it was Notre Dame and two others, and then right. the Big Ten started. Yeah. And then the two others were good teams. I think UCLA was on there one year, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. on the road. So yeah. you guys had a gauntlet. And I know that Doug that uh, Doug Karsh and John Borton have had gone back and forth about this. The benefits of playing a tough schedule compared to three tomato cans. Your opinion, uh, would you like something in the middle there? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'd like something in the middle, you know, and so we'll, we'll probably talk about it later with what's going on in the Big Ten. But I was really interested to see what Michigan State was going to do. They 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 trounced Akron and whoever else they played. And then all of a sudden, well, let's see how they do in a, in a, in a tough environment and, and against a, a team that I think is decent. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, I have a totally different opinion of the Spartans. Uh, I thought they were. You know, feeling pretty good about what what, you know, people had seen out of them. And so absolutely balanced. I, as a fan. Yeah. Hey, running up the score. That's all fine. and Great. We're three and oh, I still until I see it, in, you know, in the right environment, I'm going to have questions. And I can tell you these these games, uh, you know, 
two out of three, fine. Make two out of three against uh, UConn and Hawaii, whatever. But it can't be three out of three. And I know, I think you mentioned there was some scheduling problems in the past, which yeah. led to this. But there's got to be somebody and somebody better uh, to do this. And But next year, I think we didn't you already peek forward? Uh, next where, East Carolina where? and a couple other tomato Bowling Green or something yeah, like yeah, that, exactly. and and so next year's uh, September is going to suck too for opponents. Yeah. After that, things get a little bit better. We get into we the hope. well, we hope. Assuming yeah, things you, stay. You're right. Exactly. I don't, ask I, you this. Yeah. yeah, but not as a fan. As a player, does it prepare you? I mean, would you rather play better competition, knowing you're going into the Big Ten and going to face theoretically, you're going to face better competition? We'll talk about how lousy the Big Ten is here in a minute. Yeah. But as a player, wouldn't you rather have a, a game like that to prepare you for the Big Ten? A good we, game? I think. I think in hindsight, I can only go off of what we had. Mm-hmm. One of the three, yes, um, because you you go up against a Notre Dame like we did those years. You really measure up against a a pure performing football program out there and you, you kind of see how good you are then you know it's a big game and big environment and there's a lot on the line and 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 then you go out and you play you know somebody like these opponents and as a player it's like okay we're gonna go we're gonna do this stuff but it's the juice is just not the same ballast and what i would tell you you were there you watched the game and anybody watching this podcast whether you were in person or whether you were there at the game live uh I could tell the players are like, okay, whatever. I mean, it was it, there was some excitement on the field, but I, I'm just telling you, from watching these guys play, the second t- the second touchdown they scored, it was like, eh, all right, hey, way to go, all right, let's go to the sideline, extra point, here we go, we're out of here. And so I'm like, you know, you score you score touchdowns against Notre Dame in a big moment in a big game everybody's fired up and you could feel and you could see the authenticity of the excitement on the field. I saw guys kind of going through the motions and just dropping 59 points on dudes, which is a wonderful thing to be able to do, but it's not the same to answer your question. Yeah, no question. And going into this weekend, I think Kansas was leading the nation in points scored per game, 55.5. <laughs> so everybody's like, oh, wow, they're taking care of business and they're doing this and doing that. And I am yeah. not discounting what they've accomplished. Obviously, they've, yeah. they've done some really good things. And you can tell, like Jim Harbaugh said, he got a text from somebody saying this reminded him of the Rick Leach days and the Anthony Carter days. And I get it. You can see the talent, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it does. It gets boring. And like after the second or third touchdown, it's like, OK, you know, let's get out of here and, and let's get our chicken sandwich too even though we're winning yeah. in, our, in our snickers bar <laughs> because and it's so that's perfect ballast so yeah. it was 21 nothing and it looked like the michigan offense was looking for the chicken sandwich yeah. so like come on we're done with this let's get on let's get this over with let's yeah it was a clock running we get a running clock out here <laughs> um it's just it is what it is and i you know again that does not take anything away from all the good stuff that we saw again against uconn because there's a lot of good things out there yeah. but it wasn't perfect and we'll talk about that a little bit but yeah, it's 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 over. It's done. Now the, now the Big Ten season starts. There's a lot more things to be excited about because the defense of the title has begun. Yeah, and it really feels like if you look at the competition, what Maryland uh, Maryland struggled with SMU at home. We don't know what they've got. We do know that Michigan generally kicks the crap out of them, and uh, no matter how talented and how many players they have on offense, but that'll be a bigger test. There's no question about it. They've got a good quarterback. They've got some receivers. We'll talk about that in a minute. Iowa put up 27 big points on Nevada, which is one of the worst teams in college football right now after like four lightning delays. 
funniest, the funniest uh, text that I heard or tweet that I saw on that was nobody believed that Spencer Petras, their quarterback, was uh, ever play on Sunday. But it ended up that it was one thirty in the morning when that game got over. <laughs> oh, so, and, uh, it was awful. But you know what? But I got the point because, uh, boy, they're bad offensively, but their defense is solid. And that's what I can't yeah. wait to see is J.J. McCarthy against a defense like that. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, Michigan's going to go in there and blow them out. You know, they generally yeah. don't. So I don't we'll know talk. about that. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We're, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, we'll talk about Maryland in a minute. But I want to ask you about the offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Saw some good things again. Trevor Keegan goes out early. Giovanni Ohadi, the uh, the sophomores, continues to do some good things. I always look for guys, thanks to you, that play to the whistle, finish their blocks, and play with some ferocity. This kid seems to have that. Yep, and that's exactly if, if you can play with that style, then coaches can fill in the other technique, and if you could give that kind of effort and having all that fun and getting after people, you can refine dudes and get their foot footwork more perfect and in the hands and the eyeballs and the awareness of what you're seeing, what you're not seeing. So guys that play with that kind of enthusiasm always do well. And he's another young one that's showing good promise that he's going to be a good player. Is it hard not to get bored out there when you're pushing guys around and you're like no. you said, you're up to no. 28. No, 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 no. Because the goal for us, um, and again, this is probably not going to be culturally sensitive here, but, <laughs> but nice. Ballas, you know, we, I've told you these stories. We used to try to make dudes cry. That right. was our goal: was to get people to break down and cry and want to quit. Please don't we, cancel. <laughs> please don't cancel Doug Steen for that. Okay. That's, <laughs> we, I mean, we were, we were, you know, we were jerks, and uh, so we would entertain ourselves with like, all right, let's see if we can get some dudes to quit. And so the answer to your question is no. It never gets boring being the crap out of people. Um, because that's your job up there and you have fun while you're doing it. And then what happens is these guys start competing. And, and the way we used to roll is our, who's going to get the most knockdowns, who's going to get the most pancakes, who's going to ear hole somebody, who's going to collectively make somebody quit and just not want back in the game. So <laughs> <laughs> how many guys, how many guys broke down and cried? I remember one guy. I'm not there gonna... was one guy. We don't have to yeah. remember, you know, cause that no. dude turned out to be an awesome player, but there was a couple dudes and, and listen, a, a a lot of it wasn't just the physical punishment, but it was Everett just never shutting his mouth up. Just this absolutely. is Steve Everett, folks. This yeah. is 30 years ago. This is one of the best centers in Michigan history. Yeah, a long, long time ago for yeah. the young people watching this, but uh, we used to torture people and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and that wasn't just on Saturdays because you can go back and talk to the guys that were young, you know, demo teamers when we were upperclassmen. We would torture the freshmen and sophomore in practice, and uh, Coach Moeller and Coach Carr would get pissed off at us because we were just kidding killing people um, and having fun doing it. But, you know, the difference is when it's one of your teammates after practice, we would take that kid and say, you're coming with us. You're riding with us. We're going to lunch or I'll, I'll give you a ride to study hall or whatever. We took care of those guys, even though we killed them uh, during practice. And so. we'll get you a chicken sandwich and, and that's make it right. all better. Always take so. care of the young guys because we <laughs> needed them to be great. And then, you know, the idea was this is this is what it looks like. This is how you do it. Yep. And then when you get to be a junior and senior, then you can kill people and make them cry. And then, you know, put yep. your arm around them, tell them you love them, and let's go have a bite to eat. Yep, and John Vitale going to flip some burgers on the grill. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, yep. God yes. Right. So, All those guys. Those guys yep. were – they were great leaders. Yep. And you were too. There's no question about it. And we saw some great offensive lines come after your classes. So that was yep. fun to watch. So we're going to get John Jansen on this podcast. One I was going to say, way. we got to talk about Jansen yeah. and Bacchus and Hutch and uh, just the name, the names just keep on going. And there's some just 
guys that were yeah. much better than I ever was, but and I yeah. love watching them play. But the yeah. style of play, back to the young players that we saw on Saturday against Utah, Utah, or I'm sorry, UConn, the style of play, that's the common denominator through all the years. If you can do those things, your chances of success are going to be much higher. Yep, Jansen said he would co- would have come on, but he thought that uh, since I was here, you know, if it was just the two of you, it might have worked. So we'll work on that. But we are going to get him on here, folks. I'm telling you, he's got like yeah. 12 kids now. Uh, he's got a, a young kid at home. So uh, great kid, by the way. He's a, a busy man, Jansen. He is he's a, a busy man. There's he's no a busy question. man. And by the way, they're doing a fantastic job being Karsh on the call. Yeah. And Jansen's a natural, you know. Yes, Karsh, he sounds good. I I, I was uh, I was up at the lake this weekend, and I turned on my phone. I was listening to the streaming of it, and I thought, but they sound pretty doggone good. I yeah. John's always been good at color, and uh, he gives that little flair and that little flavor of yep. things, and, and I can hear it, and I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. I know what he's course, talking about. Of course, oh, yeah. everything sounds better at the Yacht Club, folks. <laughs> 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 On my boat, NFL settlement. All right, I'm sorry. I can't help myself, man. So, all right, no. you know what? We're nitpicking here when we talk about uh, things that aren't perfect in the non-conference, and I asked Blake Corum this flat out after the game in the press conference. I said, do you guys really know how good you are yet? Because you know what? It's been so easy for the most part. And yeah. It's not like they're gashing teams, though, for like 300 yards on the ground. Like, well, no. they kind of are, but not the way they were last year with the explosive plays. Is there a concern that the plays aren't as explosive? And we knew they were going to miss Hassan Haskins scheme, but yeah. these guys aren't aren't breaking the tackles and they, they aren't ripping off the 60-yard runs, you know? They're not, but I, I again – to yesterday against UConn, I don't know that that was the game plan, Bowers. If you look at no. the first half of that football game, there was a lot of snap the ball and get it in the air out to the edge of the offense and let the edge blocking create a lane, and they did an awesome job. Uh, those those wide receivers and Eric All was out there, and they got guys out in the edge, and it was like a running game via the quick little sl- uh, out pass to the to the to the dude waiting to catch the football there, and, and there was you know several guys, Ronnie Bell being one of them. Uh, Wilson out there on the edge, but the blocking of the edge blocking was outstanding in the first half of that half of that football game, and that's obviously clearly by design. And then the curveball was, well, then we'll come back to our power inside, pull two guys, kick the end, get to the front side linebacker, block everything down over there, and that seemed to like the alternative to the game plan of getting the ball out to the edge. So, you know, do, am I concerned that they're not ripping off 50, 60 yarders? No. Are they rushing for 200 yards a game? I think they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and the offensive line has been efficient enough, although still not good enough in my mind to protect quarterbacks. And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, even JJ had to move around in there a little bit when protection broke down. And so uh, I would say good but certainly not great. And I was going to ask you, what would you grade the offensive line in the non-conference? Maybe a B? I'd give him a B plus. Okay. Yeah, I'd give him absolutely a B plus. And again, my standards and people go, oh my gosh, they look at all these points. My standards yeah. are, you know, from the guys that coach me and what we had to live through, which was, you know, hell at times. Um, standards are excellence. Standards are no one touches the quarterback under any circumstances at any time. Standards are no tackles for loss ever. Um, and you get to people all the time. And so it, it'll be, it'll, that's never going to change for me. So when you ask me a grade, I'm holding to the standards at which I was held. And, and so I'm going to expect the same thing out of these guys. Cause I know they're capable. There's plenty enough talent in that offensive yeah. line group and we see them do it at times. It's like, man, they look perfectly clean. They're getting good first steps they're getting down on hips they're moving people they get up to a linebacker and it's just perfect i mean you saw that with quorum gashing through and making 10 8 9 10 12 15 yard runs 
walking in the end zone. Trente Jones down there in that one goal line play. Really nice job written a guy out of there on the right side. And Corum walked in. It's outstanding yep. blocking. And then all of a sudden, a few plays later, oh, the same guy gives up a soft edge and our quarterback is out. So that's the that's the stuff I got. that has to be fixed. Yeah. Let's talk about the edge plays because the, the blocking out there, Ronnie Bell, fantastic. Cornelius Johnson had one holding oh, yeah. penalty, but he's been doing well. Andrew Anthony, who they need to, we'll come back to this, but they need to get him more involved in the passing game or this kid's going to end up at another school. And I'm not just saying that, you know, I'm thinking, okay, these kids want to touch the ball and I understand you know he's a sophomore yeah. now he had a big game last year we'll talk about that again in a minute too but when they're off 10 15 yards you know everybody's like why aren't they taking any shots down the field well when you're getting a running start and you got a quarterback with a laser arm that's getting in the ball quickly they can make one move and go that's to me is like the running game isn't it you get the guy that's the ball in space and let him go yeah that's it's you know it's funny you say the ball in space dare I say speed in space don't, don't do that uh, <laughs> Miami scored nine points yesterday and, and yeah. Josh Gaddis Josh Gaddis is working overtime today down there in yeah, Miami. so but that's what it looked like, Ballas. I mean, again, a talented, strong arm, and it wasn't wasn't just that, but the where JJ was putting that ball in a position where the receiver can catch it and keep his momentum going forward to take advantage of those blocks that were taking place in front of him. If you can do that all day and, and gash off six to ten yard runs every time after you catch the football, hey, it works. And I'm guessing yeah. we're gonna see we're gonna see that later in the season in some critical parts. And so, and then, and then when you get against deep, better defenses that are going to suck up and play tough man to man on you, then things are going to change out there and you're going to have to do something else. Right. But if that's what they're giving you and you got to work on it, that's what these games are for. Hey, let's work on this stuff. So clearly that's what they did. They did it very, very well. And uh, it looked great. Yeah. And it wasn't just six to 10. It was man, 30 at time, 38. You know, you break a big one. So yeah. uh, the ball is out of there. And the good news is, man, you got a quarterback that gets that ball there in such a hurry. There were a couple times yeah. Ronnie Bell had to make one guy miss, you know what he had, but he had that extra second because the ball got there so quickly. So that's something that not ripping on Cade McNamara, obviously, but that's something that is uh, there's it's noticeable. That ball gets there quickly. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is what we've noticed since JJ's been in there. He's got a slightly, if not significantly stronger arm than Cade does. I think I still think Cade uh, crossing routes just outstanding when he threw and just thinking all those plays he made last year yeah. and and when he was in there this year, some crossing routes that were really good. But JJ clearly has the advantage in the arm strength category, the deep ball category, and then the mobility. The, the, the mobility with the threat. When you run read option with JJ, he's a real threat to pull the football and get around the corner. Now, early in the game, he had a bad read, yeah. and which ended up in a tackle for loss, and he knew it right away. He had the old, the old uh, pat on the chest, like, yeah, my fault. Yeah, it was your fault, dude. Um, so you can't do that. You got to get to fix those things. But there's just three things that I think Cade is naturally more gifted at, and that's nothing that Cade ever did wrong. JJ's just uh, more talented in those areas. It yeah, is what meant, it is. You meant JJ was more. Yeah, I'm sorry. Than yes. Than I, I meant okay. JJ has those three yes. categories that are, yep. you know, Cade has them too. JJ's just better at him. He's just more yeah. gifted. You know, there's always, yeah. it's just always this. In life, there are people that have more gifts than others physically. It just is what it is. Right. You know, like, Dallas, you always aspired to be the center for the Detroit Pistons. That's never going to happen. So <laughs> well, you I'm weren't not, gifted that way. 
I haven't reached my growth spurt yet. So the, the jury's still out. I'm getting up there a little long in the tooth. But uh, now let's talk about uh, what went wrong. And that was when Cade McNamara comes in and these guys, it's almost like they feel like, okay, game over. You know, we've got our second team guy in here. And second week in a row, these guys didn't do him any favors. Now, as somebody pointed out on the comments last week, you know what, that ball's got to be out in three. And it probably wasn't on his first one, even though Trent A. Jones, you know, allowed the leakiness around the edge. But still, you don't want to that guy. Yeah, you, know, you can't do that. So the two plays back to back. First one, uh, the right tackle Trente, who had such an outstanding block down the goal line and played clean football up until that point. Um, he just gives up a soft edge, lets a guy get on his right hip, and uh, and it's over with. And Cade's in there hanging on to it. it Looks like he wanted to go along with the ball, and because it, it was right before the half, they mm-hmm. they had to get down the field to get into field goal or scoring position. Right. So you got to know that. And and when your backup quarterback comes in the huddle. And he hasn't played yet, and it's right before the half, and the and the coaching staff has called a a, a passing play. You got to know we got to give this dude four seconds, not three seconds. He's not in the flow of the game. So Trente gives up an edge and gets the quarterback walloped on his first rep, and so you know well, that's not very good, right? And then on, this, on the next play, this is a little interesting. The next play. Michigan back. I don't know if it was Corum. I couldn't. I couldn't remember the number. They chipped the left defensive end, and it was beautiful, Ballas. The dude came in and lowered a shoulder right in the soft rib cage area, and absolutely caved the dude in half down onto the ground. But what happened in that play is the left guard and left tackle are blocking these two guys, right? Well, the guy that got chipped on the left tackle got smashed down in the ground. The left the left guard there. I can't remember if it was El Hadid or or, or um, uh, Keegan. He loops around the body pile of the defender and Hayes at left tackle, and he comes around. And then at the same time, over on the right side, they run a tackle and backer little twist. And the tackle and the end are moving to the outside gap. And then what had to happen, which didn't happen, is you got to pass that off. So the right guard and center, Olobatimi, get hung up in those interior linemen, and no one saw the looper coming back inside. So that looper and the other the other garbage on the left side converge and get Cade killed, yep. and out he goes with a knee injury. So yeah. come on, fellas. you got to help your quarterback when he gets in there. You can't let the dude get killed. And now here we are going into the Big Ten season, and – our backup quarterback, who was a starter a year ago, we know the dude can play, is out for how many weeks? I don't know. It's not good. No, it's not good. And it's funny because there's a segment of the fan base that says, oh, no, now our, our better guy, Davis Warren, our third string guy, who's never really oh, taken a meaningful God. step, is going to come in here. He's got a bigger arm and he's going to take care of it because he's oh. got the bigger arm and everything else. And again, one of those arguments where it makes you scratch your head a little bit. But they need, they need both of those guys. Who knows? If J.J. McCarthy takes a hit like Cade McNamara took in that hey. game, then you're down J- to a guy who's never played before. J.J. moves around a lot, which he is does. great. Yep. Until it's not great, and he gets killed because, as we know, historically, since the you know the mobile quarterback now for the last 20 years, these guys have a propensity of getting hit and hurt from time to time. That's why you got to have two. Right. So everything was great. Now now there's a question mark as, as far as the next guy in the game. So it looked like in the replay that I saw, it might have a hyper a hyperextension of his right knee. But because of the way he got hit and the way he got destroyed by two defenders at once as he kind of stepped into the ball there, his right leg kind of slung out, 
And I hope it's nothing serious. Hopefully it's just a sprain. You can put a brace on him and, and get some treatment and he's ready to go in a week or two because I, I got a feeling we're going to need him. There's going to be a moment where maybe J.J. gets hit. Maybe it, maybe it's not an injury ballast. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, second and long, whatever, and it's incomplete and J.J.'s helmet comes off. Right. Well, by rule, you got to go out of the game for a play unless you call a timeout. Well, we don't want to burn a timeout. It'd be nice to send in an experienced guy to go in in a big moment in some of these games ahead and not have to worry about restricting the playbook down. So it's you can't you just can't allow that stuff. So it's not good. That's the part that's not good. <laughs> right. I don't like it. I don't like getting quarterbacks still, killed. No, and it's still B plus though for the non conference and these guys. You know what? It's fun to be talking about stuff like this instead of a game at. Michigan State, in which Devin Gardner gets hit 28 times. Okay, oh, so God. yeah, those so we dark bring, days. Those were dark, dark days. days. So we are nitpicking, folks. So don't get mad at Doug. We've had comments on there where, well, even the NFL guys give up some. Yeah, they do. Okay, but so they we're do. But again, the the standard. Remember, yes. remember, everybody. The exactly. standard is no one touches the quarterback ever. Is that a standard that can be kept? Probably yeah. not. But it's not that you don't want to try. Yeah. And so you have to understand the situational awareness and you got to understand when you got a guy coming in and who hasn't played a lot, he needs a little help yeah. and you got to give him an extra second or two so he can settle into the game. And Cade got thrown in there when it was a little crazy Got a few seconds left, a few snaps. So you got to help that guy. And yep. back to the, the dark days. Things are better, Ballas. Yes, the dark are. days. Remember, remember uh, Fitz Toussaint trying to block the defensive end from Michigan State instead of yeah. Taylor Lewan. Yeah, uh, I still want to yeah. kill Al Borges after, after that. That's coaching malpractice right there. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, Al, I didn't say it. So, all right, let's I did. talk. I yes, did. he did. Okay, let's talk a little bit now about defensive line. Okay, somebody noticed the other day, and I noticed it too. It looks like they're lining up a little bit further back. The the defensive line at times. Have you ever uh, experienced that when you played? And for the record, uh, Doug Skeen played three years in the NFL under Bill's Parcells for the New England Patriots. So this guy knows what he's talking about. But is there something that they're trying to accomplish by yeah, moving? Absolutely. Yeah, what, and what is it? So if, if a defensive lineman is back off the ball a little bit, the first thing that you're going to expect is he's going to he's going to he's going to slant or he's going to move right to right, right to left. He's not going to play head up on you. And the second thing is he's probably going to be part of, an, of a, another defensive lineman game where he would be the looper or a linebacker game. There's some reason why he, you back that guy off the ball, because if you're playing regular attack the gap defense. You want to be up on the ball and you want to shoot that gap. So they're doing it for the right geometry to get a better chance of success, whatever whatever they're asking him to do. And so if I'm an offensive lineman and I'm coming to the line of scrimmage and I see a guy has noticeably backed up off of that line, off the ball right there, whether you're playing right or left side, doesn't matter. You look and you see he's 6 to 12 inches further back. Yep, smell a rat. Something something weird is going on here. This is not right because no defensive lineman wants that disadvantage. They want to get into me as fast as possible, take on one-on-one -on -one blocks, take on double teams to protect those linebackers. So Michigan's probably doing what the offense has been doing, Ballas, which is playing around with some of the things they want to work on when you're playing terrible teams like we've played. Hey, let's get through all these things we want to see on game day with these guys before we're going to need them here in the Big Ten season. Yeah. Was that a Les Milesism? Smell a rat? Is that where yes, that came from? Yes, absolutely. Smell a rat. 
that. That's it's still I still hear that in my sleep. I bet you do, man. <laughs> Thirty years later, poor guy. Even years of therapy haven't taken care of this less. So uh, we've had some, we got some great less mile stories. It's down the road when in the summer when it gets a little bit slower. We'll talk about that. So um, let's talk about Big Ten play. What do you remember? You know, going out of the non conference. Of course, you guys played not only big time opponents but rivals. I mean, there's something yeah. to be said for playing a rivalry game early in the year against Notre Dame. Then you got the Big Ten coming up, but now these guys are going to be frothing at the mouth here, thinking this is for real. Was that how it was? Yeah, absolutely. This is this is why it's it's a relief, right? That these these non conference uh, uh, opponents that we just you know dismissed, you know as easily as we did it's over with now now you want to stay on top of the big 10 you want to get fitted for another big 10 championship ring and if you want your picture to go on the wall with all the other championship teams throughout all the decades at michigan which every guy that ever puts that uniform on aspires to be a part of then it starts saturday against maryland and it doesn't matter whether it's maryland purdue michigan state doesn't matter it's Obviously, Michigan State is a little more ramped up than Maryland, but still, there is absolutely a juice that is involved with this game week versus the previous few, and the players will know it. The coaches will will take advantage of that in this week of preparation. It is different because there's a championship on the line now every time you take the field. Yeah, there is. And who would have thought, you know, 30 years ago, that'd be Maryland that you're playing in the Big Ten opener. It's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, And you know what? In some weird, it's going to be UCLA. Or UCLA. Yeah. Hey, it's Michigan USC in the Big Ten opener. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. But hey, old, it is, old dinosaurs like me are going to be, wait, is this a Rose Bowl? Right. What's going on here? Yeah. Well, in 10 years, you're going to be really confused, you know? <laughs> so, but, uh, but you know what? It is. It's different. And it is what it is, though. And it's still Big Ten play. And that's what these guys yeah. realize. And you could kind of see it in their eyes when we were interviewing them after the game. You know what? Now it means something, and they want to realize they want to know how good they are. The secondary is going to face an offense that's going to be slinging the ball, so they're excited about that. And you can just kind of tell. So yeah. there's something different, and I like it. So, but uh, at the same time, I, I, there are some questions. You know, is the secondary as good as we think it is? Five for twenty, uh, I think they they start the quarterbacks were for UConn. Now that's a terrible football team, but you know it what? Is. They weren't getting to the quarterback at times. But the coverage was outstanding, so you got to give those guys credit back there, especially Mike Sainristel, who has really taken the place of Dak. He's an athlete, man. Isn't he unbelievable? He's unbelievable. He's yeah. so good. He's, I mean, that's he's an admirable player. Yeah. Uh, Junior Colson is an absolute stud at that linebacker spot, and he he makes himself felt out there in that football field. Uh, but you're right, Ballas. The secondary looks good. There's a lot of good indicators on that mm-hmm. defense, right? We're excited about the rotation and some of the different things we've seen. Mozzie Smith in the middle there looks like an absolute stud. I was this earlier in the football game. I, he was just walking, you know, after it was after a play, and he was just kind of walking amongst the dudes, getting back to the huddle, and you could just physically see that is a big man. That'd yeah. be hard to move him one-on-one. Uh, so he's an imposing dude there in the middle, and so there's a lot of good things, but we're all kind of waiting to see, you know, how good really are we on that defensive side of the ball? And can we get to quarterbacks without having to bring all kinds of blitzes and do all kinds of things? And we're all hoping it's as good as advertised. But again, we've played nobody. So, uh, you know, let's just let's just see how this goes. And we're going to play Maryland, but it, it's a Big Ten game. And it'll mean it'll be it'll mean more for us fans as we watch this, because 
uh, it's one step in the ladder to get to the top of this conference. So, but th- there's exciting things for sure. The, the secondary is making plays. There's a lot of positive body language out there. They're they're having fun. They're high fiving, but they haven't you know they haven't been put into the fire yet. They haven't been in a tough spot yet. And so let's see how they act when that happens. And that's what Corum said. He said we haven't faced any adversity yet. He goes, I have no idea, man. And so yeah. and that's kind of you know what I had my my column written. So that's kind of what I wanted him to say. <laughs> I did not lead him in that direction. I just said, do you know what you are yet? You know, and then it was a leading question. I kind of winked at him a couple times. I said, you don't, you don't know. So, not really. But uh, what do we think of the Big Ten here, man? I was watching Michigan State uh, get embarrassed in Washington. That game was nowhere near as close as the final score. I watched Purdue gag again, and I knew it was coming, man. We were in the press conference, and Syracuse had the ball with a minute 13 to go. And I said, oh, God, they might score twice, you know, yeah. knowing what happened. Yeah. But this, uh, you know what, Ohio State, I, I think, is going to, they're going to, they're Ohio State. They're not what they were, you know, under Urban Meyer. You know, Michigan's going to have a chance to down there but Penn State maybe looks a little bit better than I thought they would but other than that man there's a lot of a lot of bad there well yeah Wisconsin struggled here early and Nebraska has got their issues right over on the west side there I don't, and how's Minnesota doing how's Roll the Boat guy doing Roll the boat guy. okay yeah I should have included them they play at Michigan State and they are looking good now I think they lost a receiver their top receiver last week but they've got a, a is that Saturday back. It but, is Saturday. Uh, roll, roll the boat guy at Sparty. Roll the boat guy at Sparty. All right, they, all right. I think that's how they're advertising it even on, <laughs> you know, on TV. It's roll the boat guy versus Sparty. So. Now, let's go back and talk about the Spartans for a minute because I wanted to watch that game yeah. closely. That quarterback and that offense came to life in, in the first half of that football game, and they showed some grit. Wait, so, you're talking, wait, wait a minute. You're talking about Michigan State? or, or Yeah, what? no, no, Michigan State. Okay. Well, they, they, did, they were uh, ran off the field ballast. They they was, it was getting out of hand really early, and I'm like, what is going on here? I thought this quarterback was a, you know, and all of a sudden they did. That offense came to life. But on the flip side of things, their defense stinks. Yeah. That secondary still stinks from a year ago. And if they can't find a way to get pressure on a quarterback, just like the kid from Washington who used to be at Indiana, he lit him up for like 400 yards. I mean, that's going to be Michigan State's problem this year. So unless they can keep teams off the field, uh, they're going to have some problems because, uh, yeah, that secondary is not good. And when you can't get to the quarterback, the secondary looks even worse. Yeah. And so Sparty's got their issues. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Row the Boat guy does against Sparty. Um, but, yeah, yeah, how good is the Big Ten? I think Ohio State's offense is probably going to be nothing short of awesome with the talent they've got. they got a superstar quarterback, wide receivers, you name it. I still – I. A lot like Michigan. How good is that defense? How good is yeah. Ohio State's defense? I'm not convinced yet. I want to see something. Yeah. Who's it going to be against? Penn State went down and, and ran the ball down the throat of Auburn. And I think Auburn's a program that's kind of struggling a little bit right yeah. now to find their footing in, in life. And so, you know, again, a little early, a lot of questions. We'll see how it plays out. But you, if you're Michigan on any day at home or away, you can never, ever, ever take, you know, for granted – Penn State, Michigan State, obviously Ohio State, and then throw in there whoever else you want to throw in there because you're always going to get everybody's best shot when you line up and play. Yeah, we got a message here from Mrs. Row the Boat. She says, say his name. Say my husband's <laughs> name so I know that you know it. What is it? Mr. Fleck. PJ? Okay. Yeah. PJ. I think it's PJ. The PJ. It's PJ. Yeah. Right. Like pajamas. PJ. Right. It is. PJ I don't know. Fleck. No, I don't know what his legal name is. I don't yeah. know that. Probably Patrick Joseph, right? I don't know. I, I have no idea, but it's PJ Fleck. And, oh, and by the go. way, he's a heck of a football coach. Ballast. He's doing a good job. He's, for, he's for a guy good... that 
He's done he a good job him. everywhere he's coached. The dude yeah. connects with his players. It looks like they have fun. I, I just like making fun of the row the boat thing because he went from Western Michigan. To- I was going to say it was it was a Western Michigan thing, and they're the Broncos. I didn't understand row the boat guy there, but yeah. it was this row the boat is this mantra that I don't know if he's got it patented now or trademarked or whatever it is, but it goes wherever he goes. And I, I'm fascinated. If he ever makes it to be an NFL head coach, is he going to put row the boat on the on the helmet of the Dallas Cowboys or something someday? Are they going to put the oars on the back? Right. You know, is yeah, especially if it's like Arizona or something like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got Portage Lake over there by Kalamazoo and then you got like a million lakes in, right. in Minnesota. Right. Oh, Minnesota, not, you know, Michigan. You got all right. the great lakes and everything. Lake makes sense. Yeah, so no, I like but, I like to make fun of the row the boat thing, yeah. but it's with all due respect because I know he's a heck yeah. of a coach. Yeah, and I do like it when you make fun of him, and that's why I brought <laughs> it up. So all the way to the belt bowl, baby, <laughs> exactly. But that'll be an interesting game, and that's what I love about the Big Ten yeah. openers, man. It's not just your game, but you're getting home in oh, yeah. time, like when we're writing, and I'm like, what's the 7:30 game, man? It's Wisconsin at Ohio State. Wisconsin doesn't look great, but you know yeah. what? If they can run the ball, if they can run the ball on Ohio State, maybe can't, you know. Can't. And, and what happened to Mertz? What happened to this young quarterback that we saw two years ago come he's, in? And, and yeah. it's like this guy looks like he looked like the future superstar that Wisconsin always needed. Yeah. But it just hasn't happened. So no. there's, you know, it's like, what's going on here, Big Ten? You got to get yeah. going. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, Hutch, uh, our producer Hutch, I don't know who his Nittany Lions play. I don't think it's anybody, though, because there really aren't that many to choose from in the Big Ten right now. So, right. Uh, but you've got. Rutgers. Yeah, Rutgers. Yeah, I think Rutgers plays Iowa. So that's another one where I think Iowa goes to Rutgers and and Rutgers is no good, but neither is Iowa. So, you know, we're going to find out Penn State versus Ohio. So they're not even playing. uh, Penn State's uh, playing the Bobcats. Yes. No, they already didn't. They already play the Bob. They already played the Bobcats. Hutch. It's going to be the Big Ten opener for everybody, isn't it? I don't think so. So, Well, well, you already had a Big Ten game. Northwestern beat Nebraska. Yeah. That already happens, so I I don't yeah. know, but it's that all yeah, I know we'll is it's see, fun but, to watch. But it's it's fun to watch, absolutely. And the teams that you think are no good are going to show some grit here in October because yeah. you get to that point in the season where it's like, okay, we either do something or we're destined for the toilet bowl here in a forgotten season, and yeah. no one wants that, no matter what uniform you're playing in. And yeah. so, dudes are going to play harder here when the Big Ten season starts. Yeah, see, Hutch thinks all MAC teams are alike, are all the same. <laughs> so, <laughs> Central Michigan is not. I thought, yeah, we're going to have a, a a rematch already. You know, Ohio versus Penn State. Hey, uh, Central Michigan's not very good either, so that should be a warm up game for them. But regardless, yeah. uh, it's fun Big Ten play. So. All right, let's talk about a couple of other things. How much of the playbook do you think that Michigan opened up? How many of the running plays were the vanilla variety where you're seeing, you know, what do you call it, 46G or whatever? Yeah, the old power, the old gap right. down power stuff. Uh, yeah. I, if if I had to guess based on what I've seen, I'd say we've seen maybe half of this playbook. Okay. Uh, Is it similar of, to last year? Or? Out, of, out of limited formations, mm-hmm. limited motions. I thought they opened up a little bit yesterday with with a little bit of that power power look. And all of a sudden, the ball's going over to the edge instead of, you know, giving the ball. So it's a play action out of read zone stuff, which I, I've been paying that close of attention because these, these opposing teams are so terrible. But, uh, you know, there are some twists that we've seen. I think in this UConn game, there was a little bit more than we saw in the first two weeks because even if you're playing UConn or Hawaii, uh, or it doesn't matter. These these coaches staffs can recognize things. And they're going to load up, and you don't want to get guys in a bad situation where they're going to get destroyed because they got eleven dudes rushing to the ball. So you have to keep them honest. I, I and but I do say, Ballas, I think we've seen maybe half of this playbook, and I think Jim 
and his staff in the last few years have been really good about throwing curveballs off of familiar looks and different things off of familiar play actions. So right. the basis of Michigan's offense is pull a lineman or two, block down the front side, fill in the front side with those two pulling linemen. And so this is what it looks like. The question is, is how many variables off of that have we seen? What I haven't seen a lot of, I think it was in week one, maybe we saw it, was some of the wide zone blocking. Last year, that was a staple with Corum. Everybody takes a deep wide step to the left. We all zone block left and let's take a sprint to the far side of the field. Usually it's to the to the field. If you're on the right hash, you're going to the left, right, to the, to the wide part, uh, part of the field where there's a lot of real estate. We haven't seen a ton of that, but we know that's in there. And uh, so, and and have we seen the uh, the the Andrew Fastardis play from a year ago, right? Where you're going to run a wide zone, or I'm sorry, a wide sweep, and the center is supposed to get out and be the lead blocker. I'll never forget that block that Fastardis made on that wide linebacker. It was outstanding. I think it was against Western a year ago. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Still, what a great block. Although a team he's af- certainly athletic enough to do the same thing. We haven't seen that yet. Right. I haven't seen it yet. So I think it's coming. Yeah, and I remember Vistardis trying that against Georgia, and it looked like he hit a brick wall. <laughs> well, thinking, well, he oh couldn't get. When when you tried to pull against Georgia, your two yeah. linemen were in the way because right. they were going backwards. Yeah. And and I say that from experience because when we played Washington in that one yeah. Rose Bowl, dudes yeah. were going backwards. It's hard to pull when your linemen are in your own face. So yeah. It happens. Yeah. When you're trying to stay positive in a situation like that, are you guys kind of looking at each other like, holy, you know what, we're screwed you know, here? It's, it's a great question. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a holy S moment yeah. in the in – the, it's just this weird – it's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. And when you get out there – and I saw it last year in the body language against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Guys are in the huddle. No one's saying anything to each other. It's like eerily quiet. But you're looking <laughs> at each other's eyes, and you're kind of looking around going – Oh crap! Yeah, we're uh, these guys. These guys are really good. Yeah, and I'm hang. I'm <laughs> hanging on for my life over here. Do you think you can help on this next play? Because I need help. Yeah, and it's just a bad feeling. And then you get past the old crap feeling, and you're like, you know what? Screw this. We're not going to get pushed around by these dudes. And you go out there and you try your hardest, and yet you're still getting your butt kicked. And it's like, oh yeah, they're did, really they're better than us. Did uh, you get a uh, Did you get a, still get Christmas cards from Steve Entman? <laughs> I never did because no. I never played against Entman. Was the other oh, guy right, who kicked right. my butt all day? Right. It was Tyrone Washington? Okay, that dude killed me all day long. I was yeah. hanging on for dear life against him. Yeah, it's a it's a humbling feeling, Ballas. Yeah. Um, and that Michigan team from a year ago ran into a buzzsaw, and I yeah. know the feeling. And yep. anybody that's ever played football at high school, you, you you probably been on the back end of a butt yep. kicking. It ain't yep. fun, nope. but that's what happened. And, you know, let's hope that Michigan does not have that happen to them this year. Yeah, Hutch, we got about 10 minutes here. Can you get Tyrone Washington on the line, please? <laughs> and uh, we'll get him or at least get him lined up for next week's podcast. No, don't do know. that. I want to sleep tonight. You're going to make me have nightmares. <laughs> well, you took it out on them a, a year later and made one of his teammates cry. So we won't talk right. about that. But, all right, let's talk a little bit uh, real quick. I want to talk about Aiden Hutchinson here. You didn't watch oh, yeah. any NFL today. You can see by the, the sun on your face that you were out at the at the yacht club and uh, on the boat. Hey, Ballas, it was a beautiful it was day in yeah. Tawas Bay today Tawas Bay Michigan it was supposed to be cloudy and a little bit colder but it was sunny and it was warm and I was like you know what let's go let's go out in the lake the time is times are going here how many more times we're gonna get to do this so we went for a little boat ride but I was wondering man I wonder how Hutch is doing this week because he didn't do much last week and then I get home and I saw your text and I was like, oh, boy, what did he do? And I jumped yeah. on the phone. I'm like, three sacks in the first half. All right, yeah. here we go. So yeah. 
It's interesting because uh, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, a bunch of Michigan State fans. It's th- that dynamic. You got Michigan State fans that are Lions fans that want him to fail, but they want their team to win. So last week, <laughs> it's on. crazy. It was all over the place, <laughs> buddy. This is real. You see, you you don't have to go on Twitter, so you don't have to see all this crap. But they're like, oh, what a bust! We should have known a Walvey Wolverine and stuff like that. But all right, so yeah. today he gets out there, and the one thing that I said, and the one thing I noticed last week, even though he didn't stuff the staff sheet the stat sheet he was getting into the backfield early in that game and they used that uh, a veteran tackle used that against him but his relentlessness he's in the right place and mm-hmm. he had three sacks in the first half he had a couple mm-hmm. of other plays and i did text you and chris hutchinson i said man that is that is fun to watch but you've got a guy now that is trying to change the culture this is the most rotten culture folks in the history of sports if you don't follow the lions so mm. yes it so, is boy, there is, is no i'm sorry there's mm. no debate so but okay mr new england patriot here <laughs> so there's no debate so aiden hutchinson gets out there and you can sense it this the crowd is feeding off of him and and it was fun to watch man so this is you know your your good friend and your former teammates kid and uh, you need to pop in that film and watch it because it was fun. Oh, I'll, I'll catch the highlights All tonight right. for sure. I'll, I will watch because I want to see the plays that he made. But this doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. And I thought when I thought this last week and I was listening to some of the sports radio here in Detroit, you know, actively talking about the Lions and ooh, Hutch was non-existent and and the head coach was asked about it. And, and I thought to myself, if I know this kid at all, he's going to come out with fire coming out of his nostrils in this football game and uh, it sounds like that's exactly what he did and he's learning we talked about this with him there's going to be a learning curve he's going to have to figure things out and if game number one he's playing against nfl tackles which by the way are all awesome and he learned the hard way that you know you don't just don't show up and make plays so here we are in week two he ramps it up and that gets the performance that everybody wanted and I would expect to see more. And he's going to learn more. And he's going to figure out more how to use that enthusiasm and that football motor of his to make smarter plays and more plays. So this was just one example of, or two examples now, two weeks now. First first week, he got humbled. Second week, showed up. Now let's see what in the third week. He's going to be a great player, Bowers. Yeah. There's no doubt about this. And for all the Michigan State people out there in the Twitter sphere, you know what? Good grief. He's playing for the Lions. Don't we want him to win now? I'm in on the Lions, man. We want him to win. So if there's a great Michigan State guy that comes over to play for the Lions, I want him to do well, too. So yeah. let's yeah. go. Yeah, Airsafe did notice that he had a uh, little bit of a leg injury. It looked like he went to the locker room. So hopefully he's okay. I don't think they would have put him back out there if he wasn't. So maybe yeah. give him some rest and practice. But this is a guy that uh, is going to be – he's going to get better and better. And yeah. the, the thing about him, like I said, the one thing about him that you can't teach is his relentlessness. And he got – well, you can't teach it. It's kind of inherent when you've got a guy like Chris Hutchinson who did it. And you learned from your dad. And uh, now you're out there doing it yourself. So how would your uh, New England Patriots do? For people who don't know, Doug was they the won. starting – they did beat they? Pittsburgh today. Yeah, I heard that. You knew yeah, that. I heard that in the radio. Yeah, they beat Pittsburgh. So wow. I'm, did, yeah, you, always... did Drew Bledsoe, your quarterback, text that to you? Do you guys like? No, back no. I heard that. Game? I heard it on an All NFL. Right. I was listening to the end of the Dolphins and Ravens, and uh, the the Dolphins are just running up and down the field like there isn't any of a defense out there. And so I was listening to that in the car on the way home, and I, and the Dolphins end up pulling that game out. And then I heard the update. The Patriots beat the Steelers, and so here we go. I know the Patriots lost to the the Dolphins in week one, so I will always be a Patriot fan because I think Bob Kraft is a heck of an owner and always treated me with respect for the microscopic amount of time that I was ever around that guy, but I always think the Patriots have always been, you know, happy for him and my experience there, so I want them to win, but now, doggone it, I want the Lions to win because Hutch is out there. I want to see this happen, so, you know. 
I'm not going to now, now ballast in all fairness. You can't see it, but behind you, I think in your on your counter back there is where you have your blue face paint and your Matthew Stafford jersey. So I'm probably not going to have the face paint on or the or the Stafford right. jersey, but I okay. do want the Lions to win. So, so uh, you know, yeah, and you know what is a Lion, long suffering Lions fan, but now with Hutch there, so we are starting a petition, folks. Last thing I'm going to say to uh, get. Doug Skeen into the Ring of Honor, the uh, the New England Patriots <laughs> Ring of Honor, and then for everybody who likes this broadcast here, uh, we're going to pick ten people to clean his boat for the season. So <laughs> at uh, at the Tawas Yacht Club up there. So please like this podcast, and we appreciate you. So next week our special guest will be Tyrone Washington. Hopefully, Jansen. Oh, Jansen. Yeah, yeah. So get Jansen on here. Yeah, yeah, Jansen will be great. He's yeah, great. he would be. So maybe you'll have to call him because he kind of big time to me this week. But did he appreciate uh, it? I'll send yeah. him a text message and say, come on, just, yeah. we just need, we just need 15 minutes of your time on a exactly. Sunday night. Exactly. So, <laughs> but we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please like our podcast. Join us next week at seven o'clock. We'll talk about Michigan, Maryland and some other things. And uh, Skeen, have a great week and uh, appreciate you being here, brother. You do, man. Lead on. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs>